Quiet, please. Log Talk Radio. Uh, the Orphan King with Chris Evans and Bill Pullman. 
the Tripper was was uh, after David Arquette's directing debut, and he also starred Thomas Jane and Paul Rubens and Lucas Hux. Then Curtis teamed up with recording artist Fred Durst for his record. Uh, I'm sorry, award-winning film. The Education of Charlie Banks, Philip Seymour Hoffman for his directorial debut, uh, Jack Goes Boating, and starring himself and Dustin Lance Black for his, uh, uh, and I'm sorry, and for and with Dustin Lance Black for his directorial debut as well. What's wrong with Virginia? Starring Jennifer Connelly and Ed Harris. All righty. So that's some of Curtis' background, but it, but. Best you go back and you listen to all the fabulous interviews we've done with Curtis. Uh, he talks in depth and in detail about uh, what's uh, required of a first AD and uh, uh, scheduling, and we're going to continue that today. Scheduling and uh, and um, and breakdown and budgeting uh, for uh, you know motion pictures. All right, and welcome to those of you who are in the chat room this morning. If you would, anyone can take a moment and invite someone else to join us by phone, uh, by email, by Twitter, uh, by Facebook. You know, reach across the room and grab somebody and say, hey, come listen to the show. Uh, you're going to enjoy this. All right, and I'm going to bring on Curtis. Hi, Curtis. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Rex. I'm fine. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and, I'm, and I look forward to uh, continuing the uh, conversations that we've had. Uh, we were talking before the end of the year, and now it's New Year. Uh, I hope you've had a happy New Year. Yeah, it's so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Now, we were going to go tomorrow, but we, we we rescheduled because uh, you're working another project. Yeah, I'm doing some uh, promos for a TV show that I just recently finished. Um, called Delocated. It's actually going to be airing um, in February. Uh, February 2nd is the premiere of the third season. Um, it comes on the uh, Cartoon Network on the Adult oh. Swim programming. Yeah. Cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah. I have some promos to do this week for the show. Awesome. All right. Well, well, I'm so glad that uh, we could get you today. And um, let's, uh, let's uh, I guess, dive right in. And um, and uh, we'll talk more about the techniques you have for uh, scheduling and uh, and and breaking down the scripts. And we talked uh, a little bit last time about uh, you know getting out the colored pencils and going through the script and and uh, and doing that. So where would you like to begin? At what at what part? Um, well, I mean, you know, it's always good to start at the beginning. Um, yep. Like I was saying. The last time we spoke, I'm I'm very much old school. I uh, in, in terms of my preparation, um, I read the script several times, and I still use colored pencils to outline the script and break it down. I use a ruler um, to line the script and measure the pages and the scenes and so forth. So I try to be very thorough. Um, by the time I'm done actually breaking down the script, meaning from my first read of it all the way through inputting the last bit of data into the Movie Magic uh, or IUZP um, scheduling now uh, also, uh, I've read the script probably eight or nine times. So the film is usually pretty well in my head. You know, Even when we get a few rewrites thrown to us, um, the, the film or television show is usually pretty deep into my, my uh, brain. So, Can I ask – oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead with your question. Well, I was I was just going to say, I you know, people call me a lot of, a, a lot of times. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about that. 
uh, as I'm sure they do you, and they'll say, hey, you know, I need a budget for this movie. And I go, okay. You know, have you have you scheduled it? Have you broken it down? You know, what do you have so far? And they go, well, I have nothing. Can you can you from this from the from this old school point of that that you're starting at? Can you address this in in terms of like? Because I always tell them, I could give you a ballpark. I mean, I could I could go through the rate books and everything else. And go, this is what it's going to cost. But until I know how it's scheduled, until I know, you know, what's in it, I can't give you a detailed budget. Well, I'll be, I'll tell you, you know, the funny thing is I've started projects where the producer will hand me a schedule that the producer has done so that they can do a budget. And I'll look at it from an AD standpoint, and I'm always, I have yet to see what I consider a shootable schedule. When I'm wow, handed, yeah. Well, that's done by a producer for a budget. Now, I don't say that to criticize. Uh, right. Producers, you know, I mean, if anything, it'll be constructive criticism. But you know, I do think that there are they are always missing an AD's perspective or someone to think a little bit deeper into production than what they are. You know, their position is to think mostly about finances. But if you're going to think finances, I think it's worth the money to hire an AD to do your preliminary schedule. I have been hired to do preliminary schedules for movies that you know I'm sure a few of the projects. Even if I have an AD to myself, they probably stick closer to it because it's actually a more realistic uh, version of a schedule. Um, I mean, even you know, before you know any of the details, your job is still to break down a script, and you can, you know, you use your your professional uh, imagination. I guess you could say your sure. professional imagination um, as to where certain things will be done especially if you know where the film is going to be filmed. If it's in your own city or local city, you know, you can kind of work things out in your head and give a realistic schedule. Pretty much every AD, anyhow, when they do schedules, they always do a schedule of what they think that realistically this is what the movie will take. Sometimes a producer will come back and say, well, the schedule that you've done is a 30-day schedule. We only have 25 days to shoot, you know. And that's when the tug-of-war comes in, you know, uh, well, maybe there's too much movie for your schedule. Uh-huh. And you may have to go back to the to the uh, script with the director and see where you can make some cuts. Or, <clears throat> or an AD may be asked to squeeze those other five, those extra five days into the 25 days that the producer has budgeted, you know, and that's a very difficult thing to do. You know, some ADs will try to do it. It may hurt in the end, you know. Other ADs will put their foot down and say, no, you know, it can't be done, you know. But it's uh, it's, it's, it's a tug-of-war a a little bit. You know, you got to find a middle ground. Maybe you can get the producer to find a way to shoot two extra days instead of five, you know, and still make some cuts or edit. But the responsibility is on the AD to be able to tell the producers what is realistic to be shot in a day. And, you know, I think I probably expressed this on the last uh, time the last time we spoke. You can't really tell how much your company is going to be able to shoot until, like, the first or second day of the shoot. Right, you know? right. Every time you start a new project, you have a new director, a new 
DP, a new everybody, a whole new crew. You know, the beauty of working in New York City, as I said before, you know, in our um, other discussion, is that I know most of the crew members. And right. I even know a good handful of the DPs in this town. The thing that's always new for me is the director. Uh-huh. And sometimes a producer, you know, but I even work with, you know, some of the same producers. So it's always the director who sometimes is that new entity or that new part of this new of this company that we all have to try to figure out and figure the pace and how they work, you know. And you don't usually generally figure that out until the first couple of days. Uh, sure. of go, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, just, uh, you know, so it, it's possible to do um, a preliminary schedule, but it would be best to hire an AD. You know, so, yeah, and it. so... And, I agree. I, I completely agree. And, and, and in the scope of my question, that's kind of what I was asking because I've, you know, people say, you know, I want this, and I don't have anything else. And I go, well, at best, that would be a ballpark. So, um, if I'm a smart producer, I hire a first AD. I have them, you know, go to break down the script um, and schedule it, and then I have an idea, you know, of how I'm, you know, budgeting it. Right. Right. Now. What you do, you know, and you say you're old school, is you coordinate so many different things. I mean, in other words, you have to coordinate the cast and when they're available, their deities, when they're not available, when they're going to be there. And with, you know, whether you're shooting interior, exterior, day or night, and whether or not you're in one location for any period of time or you have a company move to some other place. I mean, how do you, how do you, Curtis, how do you, how do you begin that sorting out process? How do you, do you have particular things you like to schedule first? Um, I think we've talked before where you, you, you know, you, you want your first day not to be an overloaded day. You don't want, you know, you want, you want to be able to get people up to speed, but you don't want it to be so easy either that it's, that nobody has to do anything. So how, how do, what, what, what criteria do you use to, to, um, begin the scheduling process, the breakdown in the scheduling process, I should say. Well, um, it, it's it's changed for me over the years. Um, you know, the more I do this, the more I try to figure out the personality of, again, taking it back to the director, of the director uh-huh. that I'm working with and trying to figure out, well, what are their needs, you know? There's the needs of the production, but then there's the needs of the director, you know? And they are not always the same, you know? Right. Uh, in the big picture, yeah. But when you're breaking things down, you know, you got to look at the production as one and then the director as another. Uh, what I used to do is, for me, it used to be geography, especially if I was working in New York City. New York City, You know, I used to try and start uptown and then work my way downtown. I mean, and that was kind of silly. You know, um, it doesn't always work out to your benefit. Then you start realizing, oh, man, so many different variables are coming at you. So there's bits of pieces of information that I ask for before I even jump into the schedule. So by the time I'm done breaking it down and I have all of my materials ready, I ask the producer, are there any cast, uh, any uh, characters that have been cast already? If so, let me get their blackout dates. All I want are their unavailable, unavailable dates. Then I go to the locations department 
are there any locations that the director absolutely loves? You know, even if they're not locked in yet, that you're working on. You know, uh-huh. think, let me know what the the dates that do not work for them. You know, and then I sit down and. In my personal life, I'm a very, very neat, neat person. My house is clean. Everything has its place, and it's in order. If you come into my office at work, it may look like I'm a bit of a mess because (laughs) I have all of these different pieces of a puzzle surrounding me. I'm that person that needs the blueprint laid out in front of me. So I create my own blueprint, my own puzzle, and I put all of these pieces sort it out onto a desk or a table or if I have to sit on the floor. And sometimes I use uh, a dry erase board or a calendar, and I'll start to put things up so that I can have all the information just surrounding me. Um, And what I do is I start to see, well, what does not work, you know, in terms of these actors are not available for these dates. So automatically, you know, you can't schedule any of this. This location does not desire to have us there. So then I start to see what I I can actually play with, you know, what's my free range. You know, and like I was saying before, I try to make the first day a day that is going to definitely be successful for everybody. The director will feel like he accomplished what he set out to on the first day, the DP, the crew. We all feel good as we come to the end of the first day of the shoot. You know, it's a sufficient amount of work. Now, where I was saying that I take the director into consideration, um, now some directors have different needs. Uh, You have some directors who, movies are shot out of order, as most people know. Movies, TV shows, most TV shows, they're shot completely out of sequence. Some directors can go with the flow of that. There are a few out there that that process is actually quite difficult for them. So, therefore, what they would prefer you to do is try to schedule as much in sequence and in order as you possibly can. I mean, they get that it's too expensive to do something like that, but it's still a request of, you know, a a small handful of directors uh, to try and schedule things as much in order. So, again, this is where you take the director into consideration. How much can you do that? Um, You know, and again, you want to, like I said, I like to try to ease into a project for the entire company, for the director, for, you know, the rest of the crew as well. Uh, Sometimes I try to watch the, the dynamic that goes on during the rehearsal process between the director and how he's working or communicating with his actors, you know. Uh, because for him, that may be the first time that he's working with these folks. Now, once he gets to set, it's going to be a new level of pressure. So, you know, if you're noticing what I'm saying, I keep the director in mind quite a bit, you know, separate from uh-huh. production. You know, on the production end, everything's going to get done. It has to get done, and it's got to get done in a logical manner. But I'm trying to do this in a manner that the director can work with some ease, with as little amount of pressure uh, from my end as possible. You know, <clears throat> so I guess as a technique, that's kind of like where I'm at now. I try to pay attention to who my director is, and then I try to base the schedule on something 
that he is able to do and not simply we as a company. You know, and I build what I'm doing is I'm building him up to be able to work at our speed, at our pace. Those of us who are more used to doing it on a daily basis, you know, um, most directors, if they're, uh, I work with a lot of first-time directors, maybe second or third-time directors, and if they are uh, fortunate enough to be a second or third-time director, they work, they make a movie like once every four or five years, you know. Um, so they get to, they're a little out of practice than the rest of us, whereas we do this on a daily basis. You know, we go from project to project. So, like I said, the first day is something that is going to make them and all of us feel like we can succeed, and then, you know, the days will start to get a little bit tougher as we go, and or challenging, rather, meaning, you know, there's a little bit more of a workload, there's more actors for him or her to deal with instead of having, you know, maybe two actors to work with on the first day of the shoot. So I try to build for the director, the personality of the director. Now, there are some directors, you know, who they just come from a different uh, part of production. You know, they may be a commercial director and it's their first time doing a feature, or they may have done television and it's their first time doing a feature, you know, or vice versa, first time, or they've done features and they're doing TV for the first time. So... You know, someone who's coming from television might be able to handle a heavier first and second day. You know, I still want to make it a successful day, but they may be able to handle more work. They may, they're used to a different pace of working with actors, you know, coming from the world of TV, that they have the network over their shoulders. A lot, they're used to having a lot of people over their shoulders and applying a lot of pressure where they can actually handle more pressure. You know, so you give them that. But at the same time, they want that luxury of knowing, oh, I am making a film. I am supposed to have a little bit more time than I do for television. But they already come with that mentality. But, again, you know, I, it's my job to try to find that balance, you know, put enough material or work on to the day that I know that they can handle it. But also for the producers and the production, we feel like we're accomplishing more than enough. You know, so uh, that's... Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like the approach that I take now. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, if you think it'll be helpful, I can give you an example. Uh, yes. Film. Um, I did a film a couple years ago called uh, The Messenger with uh, director Oren Moverman. He's actually got a film out right now called Rampart uh, with the same couple of actors. Um, uh-huh. Uh, Woody Harrelson, Ben Foster. The Messenger right. was a film about casualty notification. Um, you know, two soldiers who basically go to people's homes and notify the family members that their loved one has been killed over in war. Now, there were a total of eight, I believe it is, uh, eight of these casualty notifications that needed to happen throughout the uh, process of the story. Well, the discussion here was, do we do all of the casualty notifications up front? Because it was also emotional and so heavy. Or do we put it at the end? Or do we spread it out throughout the show? Now, this is a discussion that me and the director had, you know, quite... Um, a quite lengthy discussion, you know, one, because I was trying to gauge him. Now, it was 
Arne's first film to direct. Um, he had written a lot of projects and he's been around sets, but you know, for him as a director, it was going to be his first time full on in production. Um, and so him and I together decided, okay, why don't we try to balance this out just a little bit, um, and for the sake of the actors, not so much simply just for him, but for the sake of the actors also. So we decided to schedule um, three notifications in the first week, three notifications in the second week, and then save uh, the last two towards the end so that we spread out the emotional um, parts of the movie. Yeah, because it was it was very very emotional, and you you know that stuff it carries over to the rest of the set. In fact, it was one of the quietest sets that I've ever ever run because of the emotion in the in the story. Um, so that was how we decided, you know, to do that film. It was the days were evenly balanced out. You know, we left plenty of time for the emotional build up, uh, for the performances for the actors. None of the actors ever rehearsed with each other for those scenes in the movie. They actually did them for the first time. What you see on the screen was what you're what you're getting. I mean, of course, we did a couple of takes for each one, but before we started shooting and rolling on those takes, they never had any contact with each other. They sat down and got some direction from the from the director but they never wanted to interact with one another. They wanted the moment to be real. Uh, the director wanted the moment to be as real as possible, you know, a real reaction. So, therefore, that led to us keeping it quiet. And for me, as an AD, you know, since there was never going to be, like, a full-on rehearsal, um, I needed to leave time for things to be corrected. So I tried to make sure the days were balanced out enough where if something truly did not work, for what the director had in mind, he had room to adjust. You know, so the days were never overloaded. You know, they were probably just right. I think we finished pretty much every day uh, and within our 12 hours, maybe a couple of days just up under, um, you know, due to that fact. And then as we got towards the uh, second half of the film, you know, we had some of the more lighthearted scenes where there was more laughter and things were a little bit more loose and the, the actors were not in uniform, so things weren't as rigid. You know, so And it worked. It worked for the production. Um, then you have uh, a film that I did. <coughs> uh, you have a film that I did um, more recently. Where did that come first? I can't remember the order. Uh, <laughs> I've done so many projects. Um, a film called The Winning Season. And that was high school girls basketball. And there were, I think, maybe a total of 12 games in the whole uh, story. And this is a director, uh, uh, James Strauss. It was my second time working with him uh, on a feature. It was his second feature. So he and I had already had a working relationship. I already knew how he worked, you know, uh, and vice versa. Uh our big challenge here was having a lot of actors on set at all times, and not just a lot of actors, but young actors. These were all young girls, you know, that made up a basketball team. Um, our other challenge was that we were shooting. That film got greenlit uh, at night, or it got greenlit right at the beginning of the school year, right in the fall, 
and we had to shoot most of the movie at night. Um, our call times were like 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, because we were shooting at real high schools, and we had to wait till all of their extracurricular activities were finished and so forth before we could enter. So we had several challenges before us. The challenge of a lot of actors on set, uh, young actors on set, uh, having to be physical um, all the time because they were playing basketball for most of it and uh, acting, you know, the dialogue, and then shooting at night, where most people are usually on a daytime schedule. So at night, people are a lot more exhausted. So 12 games, various schools, I mean, trying to work it out with the locations was another story, but just determining what to get or how to schedule this with the director, Jim and I, we sat down, we thought about it carefully also, and what we wanted to do was we wanted to try and build ourselves up uh, to the girls having energy at night. Uh, now, it's the schools that required us to to be there at night. Many of the other locations, we didn't have to. So what we did was we put ourselves time-wise on a split schedule that led us into the nights so that people's bodies could start to adjust. You know, And what we did was we tried to also make sure that we had scenes with all of the girls right from the beginning. You know, Jim didn't want a slow, he didn't necessarily want to ease his way into it with the girls. He wanted to start off the way that he knew it was going to be the majority of the time. So he wanted to have as many of the scenes with the girls, because we had scenes like the girls would be, you know, in a restaurant or on a bus or, you know, uh, just all the girls together in the classroom or whatever. So we put some of those scenes up front so that they could start working together and he could get used to working with, you know, that amount of actors. I think it was always about seven or eight actors on screen most of the time. And it led us into our night schedule. Now, granted, you know, still at night people start to get tired probably at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning and the last three hours of the night is hard to get through, you know. And in the first week, that was very, very challenging. But as time progressed, you know, it it, it worked out for our benefit. You know, people got onto that schedule. They slept during the daytime, even over the weekend. You know, people would sleep during the day, you know, and were up at night. Uh, people would joke about it. But for Jim... It was great because it helped him be able to manage it and work out what he needed to with his cast members also. You know. I mean, like I said, for every show everything is different and you kinda have to take it with the with the director. For his first movie, he had three actors that he dealt with. You know, two were young girls, one was an adult. His second film, he had twice as many, uh more more than twice as many speaking roles. Plus it was a very active movie. You know, we were in a gym all the time with our basketball team and the opposing team, you know. So I had to schedule that for and cater, you know, that schedule around the pace that he needed, we needed uh, for that movie. So, you know, like I said, I do it. I do it for each director. I try to, you know, cater my technique uh, of how I'm going to schedule that film for that director and that personality. 
You know, sometimes it may be for that movie. If it, if the movie calls for something specific, then I'm obviously going to bring that up and see how that works into, you know, the needs of the director. But I try to cater it towards what the director needs, their pace. You know, and uh, also, uh, hey, Rex. All right. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I actually said something, and I, and I looked down, and, and for some how I had been muted. Um, I, I I said I was thinking that this was fabulous, and I had a follow up question, but I, I wanted to to kind of recap something first, and then and then I think you realized that I wasn't responding, and, and yeah. uh, you were going to move on. I, I don't want to. I, I want you to keep your thought. But but this is fabulous. I mean, you're talking about working with different personalities and and working around what they're comfortable with, and if they're they're you know used to you know the statement that you said you know we do this every day, and a director might do this once or twice a year, you know, in terms of directing a feature, uh, unless of course they're in television or they're working much more frequently than that. So you 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 know, and you gave us the examples of two movies. One, you know, The Messenger, and you're talking about scheduling because of the actors and the emotionality of the scenes and, the wor- and working with them. And then you're talking about, you know, doing this basketball movie and, you know, having to schedule it at nighttime because of, the, you know. Um, how do you, I guess, now my listeners are A-list listeners all the way to newbies, but let's let's take this to the newbie side because I think by taking it to the, to the, to the absolutely – uh, the rawest possible, uh, or lack of experience, the least amount of experience, I, I think all of us will benefit greatly. And that is, um, how do you know that? I mean, you know, I mean, in other words, I know that you've got it from experience and, and in working and, and, you know, through the years that you've done this. But let's say, uh, I'm going to start out tomorrow, I'm going to be first AD or somebody starting out and they've got a film. And then there's all this stuff, and they've they've not really. I mean, I don't want to say that they've never done it before, but there are a lot of people now making movies for the very first time. You know, they're picking up a camera at, at Best Buy or somewhere, and and they're going out and shooting a movie, and they've got to they got to figure out how to schedule it. When we talk to you, we're talking about professional, you know, features and union shoots and things like that. But how do you? You know, you break down your script. You go, I have these things that I need in these locations and these actors, and you set an important piece that I think was very important is you figure out who's not available on what days, you know, because I think if you went the other way around, you end up, you know, wasting more time. Um, you got all this information, and and then you, you got these, like, considerations of working with directors that, 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 you know, some people would, I don't think, even ever consider. How do, what what advice would you give the, the new uh, filmmaker, the new first assistant director, in terms of what that person should concentrate on um, first, well, not knowing, and it's a hard question because it's not knowing any particulars of an actual situation. I mean, I, I get that, you know. But I think still, what I would probably advise is talking to um, your director, uh-huh. trying to get to know them. I mean, it's funny the business. The, the line of work that we work in, this industry, it's it's not corporate. You know, it's not like there's some office that we have to go to and, you know, the director keeps his door closed. And <laughs> right. 
to say you can't talk to him until somebody lets you in. No, you know, you're a first AD. You know, you're there to collaborate um, and handle the production. You know, the director, his door is usually open. You know, I don't care how big the director is. You know, to there are certain people who, who just their key roles to you. Now, if you're a first AD and you're doing this for the first time and you've got your director, my advice is talk to your director. You know, there's something that I used to do with my first-time directors. Um, I still do it occasionally. It's just I haven't done a film in a year. Uh, I've been doing TV. But with first-time directors, I used to take them out to lunch on the very last day of pre-production. And, you know, what I used to do is kind of walk through set with them. I used to walk through how we're going to go from the very first minute of the day to the last minute of the day. I'd have the call sheet, make sure they're familiar with how to read it, you know, to look at it and see this is the workload for tomorrow. Uh, These are the elements that we need for the next day. The shot list that we've created together during the pre-production, I show them that I have that and that it's prepared, you know. I show them my homework, or my work, rather, is done. My homework is to go and reprocess this information tonight so that when I show up in the morning, I'm ready, ready for you, ready to receive you and to make this project happen for you. And I do that outside of the office, one-on-one at a restaurant, you know, and ask them to open up to me. You know, is there something that they're nervous about? Do they have any hesitations? And this is something I do at the end of our four- to six-week pre-production phase. If you're a first-time AD and you're working with your director for the first time, my advice to you would to be to, to do something like that earlier on. You know, uh, get with your director, take them out for lunch or dinner at the end of the workday, um, try to get into their personality a little bit more. Uh, figure out who they are, just a little bit aside from the film. Because the truth of the matter is a director is an instinctual person. You know, they're creative, but they're going to go off of their instincts. That's how they're going to get the film made. And you need to determine, you know, what kind of instincts does this person have? You know, uh, what what makes this person tick? You know, what makes this person keep going? You know, I mean, and I still do that. I don't do it early on, but I do it throughout the pre-production phase. You know, it's it, it's funny because when we we start scouting almost immediately when I come onto a project, um, and I'm usually in the car with a director, a DP, a locations manager, a production designer, and one of the first questions that I usually ask is, "Who's an only child?" You know, because I'm here with all of these creative people. Uh-huh. And it's really the answer that I'm really looking for. Uh, the person I'm looking for that answer from the most is really the director. <laughs> you know, And it's partly to gauge their personality. Are you an only child? You know, if you're not, where do you fall in line? Are you the oldest? You know, do you have control issues? Uh, you know, are you the middle child with middle child issues or... Are you the youngest, a mama's boy? Someone needs to hold your hand all the time, you know. So I mean, and it's it's my own little thing that I do. Um, That's I'm, cool. Don't stick to it 
in terms of like the categories, but it's a way for me to start gauging the personalities of the people that I have to work with because you have to manage all of them. You know, you have to manage all of those positions and all of those personalities. Excuse me. So it's a it's a it's an icebreaker that I usually use when I'm working with like a lot of new people. <laughs> so. oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. I um. I really appreciate this because I think that uh you know there's I'm a huge fan as I've said before you know of 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 big shoots I mean whether it's an independent I don't mean big by hundreds of thousands I just mean an independent film or or a studio film that that you know has all the positions and, and it's union typically and but it's got all the and by However, the crew is hired, but I mean, you know what you know what I'm saying. It, every 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 position has its own position, and it's and it's you know, because I always I'm a firm believer that the film business evolved these positions um, for a purpose. And when people do guerrilla filmmaking or a lower budget filmmaking anywhere else in the world, um, they're they're in some ways hampered by the fact that they can't afford a, a full crew. They can't afford all the different people. Um, they're not. Uh, burdened by having too many people either, but some people they wear you know some some people end up wearing five and six different hats. So you might have a director who's trying to do the the first AD's job or a producer who's doing a first AD job. So, you know you may have a first AD who's frankly all that first AD does is kind of manage the set. They're not they're not what you would say is a a first AD in the traditional sense. Of, of what a first AD does, like what you do, you know, they're they're but they're being a kind of a stage manager, you know, in in, in like theater, or they're being a floor manager in television. That they haven't done the scheduling and the breakdown, but they're but they're trying to move the company along. So the they have, you know, like some people just. I'm trying to form my question here um, so that it makes sense. It, it's the fact that responsibilities bleed over, you know, or people don't understand that this person has this responsibility is going to do that. Do you ever find, for example, um, like directors wanting to do your job or the producer comes in and tries to do your job and tell you, you know, I mean, here's how we're going to do it? Well, what I have found uh, in the past is that uh, I did work with one director who didn't fully understand what my position was. Um, as an assistant director, you know, to facilitate all of the, all of the logistical matters for the production. Um, the particular director looked at me more as their assistant as opposed as an assistant director, you know. I mean, uh -huh. at that point that we were having discussions that if any of the producers brought up any issues against what this director was saying, then this director wanted me to automatically side with them, you know. And I tried to explain to this person, like, that's not what I'm here for. Like, I can't, I can't kowtow to something like that. If I honestly don't feel like something's going to work, I got to speak up on it, you know. And I said that, you know, you're, you're talking to me as if I'm your assistant, and I'm not, you know. And I wasn't saying that in a demeaning manner. It's just it's not that's right. not what the position is. 
So I've worked in a manner where someone didn't understand what the position was. I mean, I'm talking throughout the entire production. This particular director never understood. Never, never got it. Um, But have I ever worked with someone who tried to, well, I mean, it's, it's been a different situation. You know, I have definitely done shows where a lot of people are wearing different hats. Um, I have done a couple of shows where there is a particular producer that I've worked with who tries to bleed over into the world of AD. Um, You know, I'll be honest about me. I'm very territorial. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I... I do my job very well, and, you know, I don't feel like I need any assistance from, you know, uh, my superior. You know, if you, what I need is support from a producer. I don't need a producer to do my job for me. Um, and, you know, and I'm pretty bold about being able to speak up if I start to detect that, you know. Uh, I've never really been in a situation where I feel like people don't trust that I can do the job, so it's nothing like that along the lines of that. I think just sometimes people just want to be so helpful. And, yes, I've worked with tons of directors who I try to protect them and help them and ask them, you know, please don't touch that light. Please, you know, leave the furniture alone. We have an entire department dedicated to do that. If you hurt yourself or break something, you know, then we're going to be messed up. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think as an AD and if you're working on a show where a lot of people are wearing different hats, you know, the director is the one that I would try to protect the most. Let the director be the director. You know, I mean, to me, I don't feel like people really fully understand how key having a director is until you're in that position. <laughs> it's just it's just as important as having a script that's uh-huh. ready. You know. Um we all need someone to take direction from, you know, in this process of getting a project done. There's the logistical side. I am a first A D. I can bring you your actors. I can give them a time limit of when they need to be out of hair and makeup. I can work with the DP and, you know, how much time he needs for lighting with the art department and have everyone meet up in sync, you know, one hour, one and a half hours after our call time and be ready to shoot. However, if I did not have someone there to manage the creative flow of what the actors are saying, what they need to do, you know, then all of it becomes in vain. Um, There are a lot of TV shows that run like clockwork. They have uh, a revolving door of directors that come through, but the TV show runs like a machine. You know, the actors already know their character. They know what to do. But I do a lot of films. For me, I need someone there who is going to take hold of the creative um, process of the show. For me, it's just it's another layer that I think would be too much of a hat for me to wear. So because I see it as too much of a hat for me to wear, on a show that I'm doing where everyone is wearing a lot of hats, I prefer it if the director only wore that hat 
only wear that hat and allow me to help them wear only that hat. Well, I'll help everyone else wear however many hats need to be worn. But I prefer it if a director can focus on everything creative. And the reason why I say that is because I've had these experiences where I do encounter things that need to be dealt with, but they're not because the director is concerned or worried about something else. You know, there's always a question from the actors about something in the script, about the scene that we're about to shoot. See, once I have everything already set up, lights, camera, et cetera, scene actors, you know, when the camera isn't rolling because the director and the actors are taking 20, 30, sometimes turning into an hour, discussing the words on the page, that's something that could have been being done already while the director was trying to help move lights or help set, you know, the set. So I actually, I the same way that I run the set, I try to, to for lack of a better term, run the director also. When we cut one scene and I send the actors to change, I usually tell the director the actors will be changed over in five minutes. Can you go back over and go back there with them and start to go over the next scene? Start to work out the next scene. You know, I have no problem. My job is to direct people to do whatever needs to be done to get ready for the the next thing that we're doing throughout the day. You know, can, he can't be timid. You know, you have to so be able I, to the director, huh? Can I ask you a question? What happens in the event, and then then we're going to have to take a break after your incident. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. What happens in the event that you say, "Hey, can you go do this?" Because you know we got to move the day along, and the director goes, "No." How do you how do you work with or have you ever had the situation where the director just goes, No, you know, this is what I consider is important and I'm not gonna do it. What 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 then transpires? Um, it it becomes a dialogue and a short one at that, you know. If they can give me a reasonable reason why they're not because they look at what they're doing is more important, which is sometimes it's something related to what I've asked them to do anyway, you know. Uh-huh. They, they I need to work out the script before I go back there and talk to them about it. Of course, that's understandable. You know, I need to rewrite these lines or whatever. But there's if there was a I don't think I've ever worked with anybody who just gave a blatant no just because you know, um, and if that well, was, and that may be that may be the case because I mean what you said though was was priceless too because you said it has to be a short conversation because if you're trying to save time you can't get into like an hour arguing with the director over why he needs to do something now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's you know I mean brevity is key you know in all aspects of the production process and like I say for me as an AD I try to make sure that we're utilizing every minute of our day efficiently. So if the the set is being lit, I prefer that a director is back there working with the actors on the scene that we're about to shoot. I mean, you'll and usually I gauge that from our blocking rehearsal. You know, the rehearsal that we do before the lighting starts in the right. first I can tell if okay, they have this scene smoothed out, it's worked out, great. We're going to light it, bring them here, we're going to shoot it. But if the block rehearsal seems to take a while because they're stumbling their way through, then, yeah, that's when it's, it's up to me. It's up to me to push and encourage that director to go work out that scene before we bring everybody back to set. And we're all standing here on a set that's ready but not rolling on it because the scene has not worked out. You know, And it could just simply be creative differences. 
you know. So, but yeah, I, I have yet to encounter a director to not necessarily do something that I'm asking them to, because I don't think I ask for anything unreasonable. So everything is in reason about with what we're doing. Awesome, awesome. I need to take just a short break uh, for a moment, and then we'll come right back, Curtis. Okay. And then, sure. and then when we come back, maybe I, I, I kind of segued you out of doing the technique that you were going to talk about, you know, in, in terms of you know where you were starting from, and I and I and I don't want to to forego that information that you that you you're willing to present. So, um, but you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official web address is r e x s i k e s dot com. Please do leave comments after the show. You can follow us at Blog Talk Radio. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, uh, but leave comments right there at the player. Leave comments at iTunes where you can rate and review the shows, and uh, and and please be sure that you do. Uh, my upcoming guests are uh, tomorrow Colin Ferguson. He's the uh, star of the sci-fi hit series Eureka. He plays J- Sheriff Jack Carter. He will be joining us again. And uh, then on the 12th, we have Jared Pelletier. He's a young director who's directed a number of of short films that are making uh, 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 much conversation in Hollywood about his ability to, on almost no budget, uh, do uh, awesome work with good special effects. And so you're going to want to hear from Jared Pelletier. Peter Marshall will be returning, and he's going to be talking uh, in our director series about, well, again, working with actors and, and performance and blocking gave some incredible camera tips and suggestions for shooting the actors last time, so you're going to want to listen to him. We're at part 15, I believe, and so there's 14 other parts you might want to go back and, and listen to at your leisure. Uh, casting director Dory Zuckerman is joining us on the 17th. David Winning, director, um, will join us on the 19th. And Kurt Abduhan is a cinematographer, an Academy Award uh, uh, Emmy-nominated uh, uh, cinematographer, you're going to want to uh, listen to him. Paul Weber, casting director, joins us on the 26th. Cassidy McMillan uh, is a documentary filmmaker, done a, a, a very important work on bullying, and you're going to want to hear from Cassidy. And then uh, that will take us to the end of the month. And uh, I'm so glad that you listen in and uh, join us live and or archived and through the podcast. So we really appreciate it. So. Um, continue to do so, and I look forward to a, a great month with uh, all of you guys. All right, back with Curtis. So, we're back, Curtis. Yeah, hey, I'm still here. Yeah. So, well, so when we started the conversation, you know, you said, hey, I've got these scheduling techniques, and I'm old school, and I, and I do this, and, and then I asked you a question, and I think we kind of got sidetracked. It, it kept, I mean, it, it, it continued to talk around the scheduling, but, but um I didn't. I didn't want to preclude you from offering any information that you were going to talk about in terms of scheduling and breakdown. Well, I was. Um, I was just going to one more uh, reference or example. Sure. Um, of another project, uh, I I AD'd a film called um, <laughs> Oh Man, um, Jacko's Boating, uh, which was. Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, directorial debut for the screen. Uh-huh. And he also started it. So this was this was actually something kind of new for me. You know, I mean, I've I, on Robot Stories, which was the first film that I AD'd, the director, Greg Pak, he had a role and one in like a quarter of the film. 
but Phil Hoffman was the star of this whole movie. So this uh-huh. was a first movie for a director slash actor to act throughout the entire film. So my approach when scheduling this movie was something completely different. Um, and, of course, as always, uh, I consult the director um, and talk about some of my thoughts and ideas with them, you know. Do we do all of the material that you're acting in up front? Do we spread it out? Do we do it all in the end? How do you want to do it? You know, well, Philip, um, he's an interesting person to work with right off the bat, I must say. Very intense actor in a good way. Very prepared actor, very prepared director. The experience overall was fabulous for me. Um and, you know, awesome for me to watch and be a part of. Uh, he directed the entire film like a play, meaning we had three weeks of rehearsal. We put ourselves into a rehearsal studio, um, and our main sets we blocked out uh, with tape the real dimensions of those sets and furniture pieces, um, much like Sidney Lumet style. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, and we directed the entire screenplay, or he directed the entire screenplay. We figured out our shots well in advance so that by the time we got to set, Philip didn't have to do as much on the day directing. His cast was prepared. He did have to do some. His cast was mostly prepared. You know, they had their notes, character discussion, motivations, you know, energy levels, all of that, even for himself. You know, so three weeks of preparation strictly with rehearsing uh, the screenplay. Uh, For Philip, what he wanted to do, he he doesn't like to do a lot of rehearsals on set as an actor. So he had to, uh, in discussing things with him about scheduling, I needed to take in consideration what he needed as an actor, and he needed to take in consideration what I needed from him as a director. Mm-hmm. There were certain things that as an actor he doesn't like to do. He doesn't like a lot of rehearsals. You know, he'd rather get, because he, he, he gives a lot. You know, he likes to give his all. He wants the camera to roll, you know, right off the bat. So he doesn't want to do a lot of rehearsal. So I had to explain to him, well, we as the crew, we need, you know, even though he's been on film sets a lot, still, he didn't, he needed to understand there were things that we need from a rehearsal that he not may not necessarily need as an actor, but he as a director needed to understand that his crew needed certain things from a rehearsal. So we would agree on one rehearsal, you know, and then when it came to talking about what the workload was for the day, I had to take in consideration more of what he could handle as an actor as opposed to what he could handle as a director. So my technique here had to be very, it was really different from most of the ways that I schedule a movie because he's in a lot of the movie. So... What we tried to do was we talked about order of day. You know, 
he would much prefer to start off his day as an actor and end the day as a director. Oh, but, interesting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this way he can prepare himself at night, come in in the morning, get himself into the mindset and so forth. He did not, he, he didn't really want to go in and out, you know, if, if we were going to do, you know, seven scenes in a day, he didn't want to start off as an actor, be a director in the middle of the day, and then be an actor again. You know, he wanted consistency. Um, uh-huh. So it was, uh, I had to do some very strategic scheduling, uh, you know, for that particular film. Um, because, like I said, he was in a lot of it, but there's obviously... Um, scenes that he's not in as well, you know, and again, when you're thinking logistically, you know, how to logically schedule a movie, you do not want to repeat locations, you want to consolidate as much as you possibly can, you know, and even if you have a big location, it's the thing that I had to take in consideration with him was, okay, this may be an entire day where he's acting all day. You know, but he's also still the director, which means he's responsible for his own performance. You know, and not just as from an actor's perspective, but from a from a director's perspective. You know, which uh-huh. that is something that he was never responsible for. I mean, I, I know that he's directed a couple of stage productions, uh, but never anything for the screen and to shoot out of sequence. You know, he wanted to shoot as much in order as we possibly could. Um, in fact, for two weeks of the production, the final two weeks of the production, we were in one location, and we did. We shot those two weeks in that location completely in sequence. Um, wow. It, it made things a lot easier for him, both as an actor and as a director. You know, so... How- how did it make it for the crew and for you? Um, for the crew, for the yeah, the shooting sequence. Was yeah. it something? That... It, it, it was. It was uh, for production. It was a little bit difficult. Uh-huh. Uh The reason being is because we were shooting on a sound stage, and that means taking walls apart, putting walls back together, taking walls apart putting walls back together, you know, going from day to night, from day to night, from day to night, you know. Um, And it's definitely, if I was working with someone else, I probably would have opted to do things 180% degrees differently from what we did, Uh the complete opposite, Um, but it worked for him and what his needs were. You know, uh, like I said, you know, for each director, they need something different. And also, i got to work it out for the production. Now, the way that it did benefit us is that what I was able to do was schedule the days where if we, they were scheduled light enough so that I could pull something up from the next day. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's how, you know, and he and I had that agreement. And I would talk to him before, you know, we do it, you know. Again, the delicate part of working with him and the technique I had to go into for this one was that he was acting in it, in the entire film. And that was something that was different for me, 
you know, from many of the films that I work in. You know, if I'm working somebody with a director, you know, he doesn't have to wear two hats that way. But he actually needed to, it's not like a light switch with him. You know, you turn off the actor and now you have a director. It actually takes time for that transition for an actor like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, he needs to, when he's not the director, or I won't, he's always the director, but when he's transitioning into uh, the character, he actually has to go away and take a few minutes. Uh-huh. To do, and I had to be prepared for that, and I had to, you know, make sure that things are just continuing to go while he's doing so, and that all of the needs of a director were met before he goes away to become the character. You know, so it's a, it was a, it was an interesting and intense process, um, but it did work. Like, we, we got through it. Um, <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I feel like I'm making this sound like it was really, really hard, but it wasn't. It was just, it was, for me, it was new. Um, intense is the word that I, I often use when describing that project, but that's what it was. But, yeah, like I said, you know, for working with this director and taking his niece into consideration, he wasn't. he's not the type of actor who can turn it off, turn it on just like that. He gets very deep into his character, and you can tell when he's putting on the face of that character but you have to give him his space to do so, you know. And for me, it it was it meant that I had to let my director go for a little bit, you know. And that uh-huh. little bit I had to let the had to let the director go was not only the time that the camera was rolling, but that meant you know a good chunk of time before he had to go on screen. But he had a lot of trust and his team that he put together, myself, the DP, the script supervisor, you know, which is he felt he prepared, you know, which is why he he took the approach that he did. In all honesty, if I were ever to direct and act in the same project, I would likely do the exact same thing. Wow. I would, I would probably, you know, definitely require several weeks of rehearsal beforehand so that all of those questions that come up during production – are handled, you know, before we get there. Because there was very little, there really was very little direction needed to be given once we started shooting from him to the actors. I mean, you know, there was, you know, a, a, a small amount, but in comparison to a lot of films that I do, much less. I would say a good 75% less wow. of director-actor interaction once we started shooting because they had already answered all the questions, you know. And the most tortured that I would ever actually see him was when he would have to direct himself, meaning he'd watch his performance and then he wanted to do another take because there's something missing. You know, uh-huh. he's trying to figure out what's missing or what needs to be adjusted, you know. So critiquing himself, being responsible for his own performances. And that's something that, you know, the next time I work with a director who is going to be acting um, in the film as well, it's something I I would need to take in consideration um, of how much 
how much time it takes for a director to really direct himself or herself, for that matter. You know, because it was days where he had heavy scenes where we probably went longer for those reasons, you know. Um, I mean, he's a perfectionist, and he puts right. 100% into everything that he does, you know. So, therefore, if he didn't see something right, even if the rest of us around him felt like it was great, there was something about certain scenes that he didn't see 100%. He just needed more time, you know. So I, it was a learning experience for me, you know. But while learning, I still had to come up with a way to schedule the film, you know. And I had the discussions with the producers also, letting them know, you know, these were some of his concerns and his wishes, and so this is how I was going to do things. And they were supportive. They were all in agreement, you know. And they actually they gave him his space also on certain days, you know, they would not come to set as much, um, you know, knowing that his his weight was just so much to have to act and to direct also, you know. But we tried to stick to, you know, I tried to stick to uh, what he asked as much as I possibly could, which was, you know, be the actor in the morning and end the day with the directing. Um, there were a few days where, like I said, he had to do both throughout the whole day, um, but I tried to make sure it was towards, you know, the end of the week. Now, it's funny, too, because there's something else that uh, he never wanted to feel either. Um, now I'm simply telling the story so you can cut me off whenever you want no, to. No, no, go for it. Go for it. I, I mean, I'm interested. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there was something else he never wanted to feel. You know, towards the end of the week, crews usually feel it. You know, it's Friday. It's after lunch, you know, how many hours uh, do we have left? Are we going to wrap on time? Are we going to do any overtime today? As an, He was expressing to me that as an actor, actors have the ability to feel that Friday night angst that the crew <laughs> gives off. And he was telling me, he was like, listen, as a director, I don't want to feel that. And I'm like, Phil, I don't, what do you want me to <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do about that? I say, because, you know, Friday is still Friday. After lunch is still after lunch on Friday. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, if we're going to wrap on time, people are going to ask me. I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how to prevent you from feeling that vibe, you know. And sure enough, every Friday would come around and right after lunch, you know, it became like our joke. He'd come over to me. He's like, Curtis, I'm getting the itch. I'm getting the itch. I can feel it. <laughs> I can feel that everybody is ready to get out of here. So it's Friday. <laughs> well, that's, that's fascinating. What I get a question regarding that. Um, you said that they rehearsed for three weeks. How long was the shoot? Uh, the shoot was 35 days, seven weeks. Okay, so uh, a bit longer than your three-week rehearsal. So I mean, oh yeah, 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 definitely. It was um, uh, a little more than twice as much. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. We've got about oh nine minutes left, and uh, I want to give you again the just the floor, the platform to discuss anything. Uh, that you think we might need to know, and and or upcoming projects, or anything in the in the remaining time. 
Um, you know, well, you know, you you and I we've had several discussions so far. Yes. And, you know, basically, as an AD, it, it's a, it's a lot of preparation. You know, it's a, it's a little bit more than common sense. You know, I'm not gonna make it like, oh, the job is so easy. A lot of people will come and they'll 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 you can look at a good AD and think that the job doesn't take much work. You know, especially if you see the AD on set. You know, it's a lot of cuts and rolls, but there's a lot that goes on in an AD's head, obviously, um, as I've tried to explain over our discussions. You know, there's right. a lot of personalities to juggle. There's a lot of variables when putting the schedule together. Um, there's there's just there's a lot of a lot of elements in putting a production together, and a lot of people and departments to manage. You know, the interesting thing about the AD department is that you kind of have your hands in everyone's department just a little bit, whereas each department is dedicated to that department, to that specific part of the movie. The wardrobe only deals with clothes and costumes of the film. The props department deals with anything that goes into the actor's hands, you know. Um, And, you know, as for the DP, he can make several requests from different departments, you know, but his focus is on the look. And that's what his motivation is. But you as an AD, you have to take in consideration each element, each thing that each department needs to do. So when you're putting together a schedule, when you're thinking about a scene, uh, allocating, you know, however much time of the day to that scene, you have to take in consideration for every single scene what every single department has to do. You know, if you're an AD doing this for the first time, you know, that would be my advice to you. Like, you can never have too much prep, especially in your beginning years of becoming an AD. You know, I would sit down and go over the plan over and over and over and over and over again, you know, to myself. Write it out. Talk it out. Walk it out. Do whatever you need to. You know, it's you're putting together the plan for shooting a film or a TV show for twenty something odd days, thirty something odd days, and you're doing it all in advance. So when the camera comes up, you know everybody's looking for this there to be a, a, a tight schedule. You know, the self accomplishment that you 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 feel when you get to the end of the day and you've actually completed all of the work that you planned to do that day, it's wonderful. It's actually a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And when all of the, the departments actually work so well, so cohesively together, you know, again, you feel like something great has been accomplished. You know, I love this business and what we do. I feel, you know, we we take this nothing, you know, a, a piece of paper and some words on it, and we create this image, you know, this piece of entertainment, you know, that's out there for a really, really long time, good or bad. You know, it takes just as much work and a lot, as much effort on every single project. So as an AD, you know, own your own your craft, own your talent. You know it's more than calling cuts and rolls. So much more. You know it's being a leader. 
um, putting a lot of thought into it. Um, you know, and it's for this reason, and now I'm going to segue, producing <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little bit, but it's it's this reason that I, as an AD, feel like ADs actually make really great producers. You know, ADs are in a position where they are are they're responsible, you know, for the ongoings of set. They interact with so many departments. You know, I can't tell you how many producers uh, have to interact with, executive producers that I speak to, how many people from the post-production side that you probably would never even imagine that ADs interact with, you know, depending on the type of movie. If it's a special effects movie or a movie that has a lot of graphics and special effects and people who are going to do their work afterwards, well, then that's another element that you have to factor in. And those people actually show up on set and they're there with you, and you talk to them during pre-production and figuring out the specific shots that they need as well. You know, the music, you know, uh, who you probably on, a romantic comedy, you probably would never deal with, you know, the post-production music folks, you know. But if you're doing a movie about music, they're around all the time. And it's, again, another element that you have to now factor that time into. You know, I love my position as an AD because from film to film to film is something different, but it's also something and someone new for me. So, therefore, once I start uh, started to produce, I feel that much more prepared, you know, to have conversations, uh, to interact with people that I probably normally wouldn't, you know, um, on a different type of a show. As a producer, I feel more prepared to to support an AD, um, knowing that these are their needs. Now, why I think ADs make really great producers, again, is because I stood on set and I've made requests to the producers of things that we need. You know, a producer's job is to put things in place for the project, to provide a great director, to provide a great team for the director, you know, to help tell a great story, you know, to help secure uh, the right financing, all of the right elements to help get a story told. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to embark on now. Uh, one of the projects that I have under my belt is a film called um, Trust Us. It's a science fiction uh, movie about time travel. And uh-huh. it have a first-time feature director named Robert Smithline. Uh, who was on your show not too long ago. Right. And uh, Rob's won some awards for some of his short film work uh, back when he was uh, in film school, and he's been writing screenplays forever. He has a stack of them. Uh, This particular one I read a few years back, and along with watching a couple of his short films, and I was really, really, really impressed with what I saw. Um, and Rob and I had actually worked together on some of the films that I AD'd uh, in my earlier years. He worked as a production assistant, um, and it was actually a mutual friend of ours that recommended me, uh, recommended that I take a look at his work. And uh, again, like I said, I was really impressed uh, with his style of writing, um, with his humor and so forth. Uh, and, you know, I decided to uh, work with him on the screenplay that he wrote, Trust Us, 
Um, and we we did a lot of work on the script together. He was open to a lot of the ideas that I had. And, um, you know, we're still in the very, um, I would say not very beginning but because it's been a couple of years, but we're in the stages now of late development, uh, soon to be getting into the um, production, the pre-production and production phases. Uh, it's been quite a ride because it's the first thing that I'm producing on the feature scale, I've done a little bit of producing uh, for short films and some stage productions, but for you know what I do daily, this is you know it's a it's a big step for me. Right. Um, you know, and it's interesting because uh, again, it's I know a lot of people in the business, and so therefore you know I have several resources at my uh, fingertips. Um, you know, for when it comes to getting a film made, primarily in the production phase of things. You know, uh, the good thing for me is that I have a lot of colleagues as well as actual friends who work in this business. You know, people who are extremely talented, who have worked on, you know, really, really big budget projects, um, high profile projects, you know, people that you can call in the right type of favors to. People that can take your, you know, two million dollar movie and make it look like a twenty million dollar movie, um, you know, and they're they're your friends, you know, and this is kind of like what producing is, you know, again bringing all of these elements together. What we have here is we have a good story, you know, um, you know, we found ourselves a great cast and director uh, who's done several projects on the indie level. Um, and, you know, she's helped us put together uh, what we feel is in a very, very good cast for this movie. Um, and uh, like I said, you know, and we're securing some of the financing. We have a small percentage of it raised so far, you know, but it's a lot of work, you know, and this is the part that's kind of new for me uh, because I usually come in once the financing is all set and, you know, the movie is green lit and things are in place. So the new part for me is putting these things together. But we're getting closer to the part that I'm already used to, which is like bringing our crew together, you know, actually going into production and and making things happen. Uh, But so far, you know, the ride has been a pretty good one. You know, I have a a great producing partner, uh, Nikki Ockmel from Ugly Productions. She and I have been working together for years uh, also, um, and she's been successful at producing several projects herself. You know, so it's been great for the three of us to work together, uh, Nikki, Rob, and myself. Um, you know, and and I have a you know I have a small production company, uh, Diamond Pictures, uh, which what we do over there is we're we're trying to create our own slate of creating content, um, uh, mostly films that are catered, you know, for, uh, that are like family-oriented material. Um, and we have a few projects on our slate, but trust us, the science fiction film is going to be pretty much the first feature film uh, that, you know, that we're producing. So. Yeah, well, when do you want to shoot that? When are you going to lens it? We're looking to shoot it this year um, in the summer. Uh, uh-huh. Of 2012, and then uh, we'll see what happens from there. So, awesome, awesome, and we're going to have um, uh, Nikki on the show as well at some point. I think we've just been 
Nikki and I have been trying to schedule that, but we're going to have Nikki as a guest so you can hear from uh, Curtis's producing partner uh, more about this project. Fantastic, yeah. Curtis. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we actually have about two minutes here. So um, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to say goodbye but I want to say thank you so much, and we'll have you back another time, and I'm going to talk to you in just a few minutes. But this has been really good information. I mean, this is this is the kind of information that, that I think all filmmakers need to hear. They need to understand, you know, this juggling process and the different kinds of, of considerations that, that uh, filmmakers need to go through. They have to consider the actor. I love it. You said you've got to consider the director and what kind of person the director is as a first AD in terms of, you know, how much, you know, experience do they have? And, you know, what do they shoot like? I mean, you, you, you brought up psychology and being able to communicate with people, you know, and, and to be able to get them to do things without screaming your head off. And, and I mean, as well as being able to coordinate, you know, an entire shoot and, uh, you know, the, the, Set the company moves and when they're going to do things, and then and then troubleshoot as as the as the day goes along. So uh, you know this has been a fascinating conversation, and uh, and I, and I do want to continue it with you, Curtis, if you're willing to continue it, and uh, and and we'll talk more later. Okay. Yeah, I'd be glad to. You're awesome. Well, thank you so much. Again, I'll talk to you in just a few minutes, but I'm going to have to take a moment and, and say so long to every so long to everyone. So uh, have a great day, Curtis. All right. Thanks, Rex. You too. And oh, and, oh, and you're on Twitter. They can follow you on Twitter, right? Yes, Master Kurt. Master Kurt on Twitter. And uh, and uh, you'll see tweets from me with Master Kurt in it, so you just follow Kurt, Curtis Smith. And um, is there a web address or anything that uh, you wanted to give out for your company or anything? Um, it's uh, diamond-pictures.com. Um you can just see what projects we have uh, in development there. Yeah, you can just check us out. Uh, and I'm you're on, on Facebook and uh, I think I think uh, what was it? Rob has a blog that he's chronicling the um, that's right experience of uh, making the film on. Um, it's called the road to rap the road to rap, which is on uh, Blogspot. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and, and and Robert Smithlight is on Facebook as well. So, all righty. Well, thanks so much, Curtis. All right, thank you, Rex. All right, enjoy your day. Uh, that was Mr. Curtis Smith, the first AD producer, uh, all around good guy, just chock full of information that, uh, as I said, I think we all need to know and and be able to utilize. And I and I thank you and appreciate. Uh, yeah. Please do keep sharing this website. Uh, keep in mind, I've got lots of fabulous guests coming up. My next guest is uh, Sheriff Jack Carter from Eureka, Mr. Colin Ferguson. He's an actor, producer, and director, and he'll be with us tomorrow's show. Uh, same time, 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, 10 a.m. Central, 8 Pacific. And uh, and we'll be talking uh, more about Eureka and about his career and about acting and directing and stuff. Um, so keep sharing the website with uh, all your friends and all your fans. Help us by putting it on your Facebook wall or tweeting about it or leaving comments right there at the player. By the way, you can follow us right there at Blog Talk Radio and at rating and reviewing as well the uh, the podcasts. 
Now you can become a member, and please do, of Rex Ike's Movie Beat Friends page by clicking the Like button right there in Facebook. Go to Rex Ike's Movie Beat Friends and join us there, and you'll be updated to these things. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Rex Ike's Movie BT, Rex Ike's Movie BT, and I have a Rex Ike's Movie Beat YouTube channel as well. All right, everybody have a fabulous day. I, I surely appreciate you being here and for joining us in the chat room, for listening live or archived, for all that you do and for all of the support and all of the love. Thank you. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that's a wrap.